Dickens jagging my style. That's not the words. I think it's like they try to copy my swagger. And then... Woot, woot. Oh, is the woot woot in there? No, that's just the hype man. Oh, okay. It's sort of the live oh, version. Is it all live, live? How do we not know those words? It played at every single roller skating party. It was like our generation's kind of mini anthem for a yeah. full... I was too Five busy years. jamming to uh, You Found Me by the Fray. <laughs> yes. yeah. Or the Veronicas. Yeah. Um, all right, we ready to go? Oh, I thought we had started. Well, we can now. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Gems of History podcast. I am your host, Jacob Shop, And joining me, I have Mark Steinbrenner. What's going on, everybody? And I also have Evan Roosh. Hello. How's it going, boys? <laughs> Uh, pretty well, pretty well. The weather kind of sucks today, but yeah, it's a little drizzly. Can't uh, bring my mood down. Absolutely not. Nothing. A little rain, or was it? No, it's March, so I guess that doesn't apply. I was gonna say April showers bring Mayflowers, We're but close. it's March. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I'll let you get away with it. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> I mean, we have had pretty good weather the past week or so, so For I'll sure. take a, a day of rain. This is the content that people want. <laughs> 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 We need to come up with like segments, like a segment sound, so like weather with the boys. Weather with the boys, but a hundred percent chance of beers. <laughs> wow, absolutely, that's all the time though. Yeah, we're the most accurate weathermen. Yeah, yes. So, what have you guys been up to this week? School, lame stuff. Wow, nerd, just work. Um. <laughs> follows yeah. it up with more <laughs> <and> stuff. <laughs> you know, uh, follows ex- it up with like watching more paint dry. <laughs> oh yeah! Wow, excitement this week. Yeah. yeah, exactly. But anyway, I don't know if you're about to say that, but it is St. Patty's Week. Yeah. So happy late St. Patty's Week to everyone. Yep. Yep. Definitely uh, a fun holiday to celebrate. Mm-hmm. Hope you guys are feeling jolly. Oh, that's Christmas. Well. Be jolly on any day. Yeah, except Santa just has a red beard for today, or I guess green beard. <laughs> no, I'm very confused. Well, I can't be jolly. Santa's got a green beard. His beard's never been colored before, so this oh, is all news to me. Yeah. Oh wait, yeah, it was never colored. No, it's never red either. Wow. Unless he murdered someone. Wow. Whoa. I mean, he does in that skit of that show. Oh, like, wait, no. Or is it the gun defense one? Whatever it oh, is. You're watching a YouTube video yeah. and, yeah. Never yeah. know. Santa could be a murderer. Yeah, you don't those, know. Those mall Santas. What a hot start to this. Wow. <laughs> we are all over the place. We're accusing Santa of murder. Hey, man. Never know. We can't teach you anything. We can only <laughs> make you think. Is Santa a murderer? Find out next week, I guess. Yeah. All right. Well, who would like to begin our episode trivia for this week um i can start all right let's hear it so today's trivia question for you guys in ancient greece they believed that redheads became this mythical creature after death was it a goat men b vampires c mini devils or d boar man Member pig. Yeah, I was about to say that. <laughs> <laughs> and, and what was the question, though? I don't need the answers again, but what was the question? In ancient Greece, they believed redheads became this mythical creature uh, after death. Okay, okay. Do you need the questions again? 
I think I remember him. Okay. Um, ruling out goat men. Hmm. Mm. Interesting. Interesting. This is actually a good question. This is a good question. I think I've had what, a couple. What were B that... and C again? B and C. Hit me with those. So B and C were vampire. So B was vampire, and then C was mini devils. That's just weirdly specific. It's supposed to just like regular devils. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a devil on your shoulder. Is it just me or does D sound pretty appetizing? Yeah, I was. Four hyphen men. Yeah, none of the other ones really sounded good to me. I don't. I don't know why that one sounds better. But it, it doesn't sound good. Like it doesn't roll off the tongue. But something about it. It also feels doesn't right. sound like a fun thing to turn into. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but they probably had like a prejudice against them. You could say that turning into a boar man would be a boar. <sighs> Yay! Whoa! <laughs> yeah. Dun, 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 dun. You said this was Greece, right? Yeah. I don't know, man. This this is tricky. I don't. I don't. I'm, I'm gonna go with D. Jacob's going with D. Borman. You could also go with D too. I know, and I was gonna. I'm not super confident. I wasn't confident but, in but, any of them. But so. I, I did lean D, so I will also say the same. D. All right. So they both said D for Borman. They are wrong. Well, it is actually, believe it or not, B. Vampire. That was my least likely answer besides Gilman. Yeah, Vampire felt like one that I was like, I need four of these, and I wrote it on there as like a mythical right? thing. And That's like what I, I thought. Like it was could... between that and like Griffin. <laughs> yeah. well, I was waiting for Phoenix or something to show up because of the red hair, but mm-hmm. I never did, sadly. And today's shots that I made for the guys in honor of St. Patrick's Day are the Irish Hammers, which if you're familiar with St. Patrick's Day, you kind of know what that is. So give us a little story behind that one. Do you have any information on why they believe that? Uh, it was mostly because of um, uh, kind of the, I don't even know how to say this. So in ancient Greece, um, most of the people have more, you know, kind of that olive colored skin. Um, and the reason why they thought this was strictly because of oh, redheaded, pale complexion. pale complexion and quote, like withered almost skin. Gotcha. So that's kind of that, the that makes a little bit. Of that sense was that their way. their justification for thinking vampires. Because whenever I think vampires, I don't think red hair. I think like deep black hair or oh, like yeah. silver hair. So you're thinking every single character in Castlevania. I usually just think of my mom's on a date with a vampire. That too. That's usually what I think about. I don't think I've ever seen that one. That's a Disney a Channel original movie. That I mean, one. I probably. Probably did then. It's between that and like Smart House. Remember? Oh, that, that was a classic. Also, there was one called Look of the Irish too. Wasn't yeah, there yeah. was. That's an appropriate one. Was to that? Bring up. Wasn't that a uh, basketball movie? Yep. Yep. Wow. Mm-hmm. And the guy had like pointed ears. Yeah. And stuff. Oh yeah. Yeah, man, they had some solid films. Oh back yeah. In the day. Oh yeah. All right, are you boys ready for mine? I never am. You probably won't be. President blank signed the Grieta Treaty with the Gray Aliens, allowing them to abduct a certain number of Americans for testing in return for technological advancement. A. Harry S. Truman B. Dwight D. Eisenhower C. JFK or D. Herbert Hoover This this just sounds like a JFK type thing. I was about to say, that does sound like a JFK thing. I don't know why. You know what? I'm going to go with Hoover, D. Ooh, I like that, too. 
right. What was a no, 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 it wasn't. It wasn't Truman. What was the second one? Uh, Dwight D. Eisenhower. Mmm. I like Evans, but I feel I gotta switch it up. I'm going B. So Evan said D. Herbert Hoover. Mark said B. Dwight D. Eisenhower. President Dwight D. Eisenhower oh. signed the Grieta Treaty with the Greys. So, so, yeah, he apparently signed this treaty in the 50s saying, hey, we'll allow you to abduct a certain number of civilians, and in return, you guys will help us advance technologically. And I believe this is where they say that we got the start for things like Wi-Fi technology and uh, aerospace like advancement advancements and stuff. Sounds like it was a good trade. Yeah, no. I'll take that. <laughs> Just a couple of people for some Wi-Fi connection. Fair trade. Oh yeah, a couple of casualties had to be made for this. You know what's maybe the funniest part about that? Like we had a, ne- a negotiation tactic with aliens. Yeah, that could literally come give us this technology, and we had to give them permission to take right. a few people. <laughs> yeah. uh-huh. So yeah, Dwight D. Eisenhower making moves, I guess. Out of this world. Intergalactic. Yeah. Well. Nice. Nice, nice, nice. Stole your thunder. It's fine. That <laughs> was my go question. Intergalactic so. moves. That wasn't as good, but. Both good. Intergalactic's a fun word, so. Mm-hmm. Okay, mine's kind of in the uh, theme of St. Patty's Day, so. If it's too easy, then I have another one I want to ask in case it's like, oh, okay. All right. St. Blank's Day is. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. okay. All right. What does Patty's stand for in (laughs) St. Patty's Day? Krabby (laughs) Patty. People traditionally wear green on St. Patrick's Day to avoid what? Getting kissed, getting pinched, one year. Of bad luck, people not knowing they're Irish. That is B, getting pinched. Yeah, I was going to say B. Ah, okay, all right. (laughs) So we got to do more than one. Can you imagine, like, wearing green to not get kissed? Like, ew. All right. Get away from me. It's like this really lonely guy. like, how can I make everyone else feel like I feel? If it was that, like, he can just come in, like, wearing just yellow. Be like, bring it on. Okay, according to myth. When is the best time to sneak up on a leprechaun? When he's taking a nap, when he's counting gold, when he's mending his shoes, when he's eating. That would be B again. I think. B was counting gold? Mm-hmm. I'm going to go when he's mending his shoes. The correct answer is mending his shoes. Ah, oh, shoot. Come on, man. Got to know these things. I'm even Irish. How are you going to steal their gold if you don't know how to sneak up on them? <laughs> well, you could just sneak up on them like, like while he's counting the other gold. I don't know. I guess that's true. You just throw a box of Lucky Charms <laughs> in the other direction. <laughs> got to do what you got to do. You know? <laughs> yeah. Alrighty, boys. Well, I hope you guys are ready for me to do my topic for the week. I'm ready. But I don't know that I have any insight in, into what this can be about. I, I know you'll enjoy it, at least, at the very least. Oh, I'm, I have no doubt of that. we, as a group of friends, bring up whoa, 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 related whoa, whoa, whoa. topics. Friends? <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> we bring this up quite a bit, and I'll give you a hint. It has to do with 
four fours. <gasps> oh, little uh, pirates of the. Oh yeah, of the black spot. <laughs> the black spot. The black lung paw. <laughs> yeah. But yes, no man. <laughs> <laughs> I will be covering pirates today, so. I am covering a specific pirate in the second half of this, but Blackbeard. for no, oh. uh, but I will be covering pirates of the Caribbean first and kind of going through some sort or some of the the myths behind it, whether what is portrayed in movies is accurate, what isn't accurate, and some of like the bigger names in that era. So Jack Sparrow was in fact based on a real character. I yeah, he was based <gasps> around like. A culmination of the characters that were around at that period of time. So I'll go through some mm-hmm. of that and we'll see how Hollywood portrays it versus the reality and whether they were good at what they did or whether they embellished a little bit or a lot. Very curious to see how historically accurate they got the Kraken. That I don't have any notes on. So, mm-hmm. but I mean, that could be a whole topic in and of itself, probably. It honestly could. Yeah. It, you are about to prove, though, that he did, in fact, create a raft with live turtles <laughs> that he lassoed with hair from his back. You guys, I can't cover everything. Oh, all right. I, all right. I can that only... movie is so good. <laughs> like, sea turtles, mate. <laughs> I see <Sea> turtles. turtles. <laughs> so... What did he use for rope? Yeah. <laughs> hey, uh... From, from my, my back. back. <laughs> oh my gosh. That might be one of the most quotable movie series yeah. Oh, yeah. of all time. There's yeah, so many it holds up. It's fantastic. So for my sources for the first half of this, uh I <laughs> what? You just said that and I'm just waiting for it to be like for my sources. Pirates of the Caribbean Uno Dosin Trace. <laughs> <laughs> Talk to Jack Sparrow personally. <laughs> As well as a documentary about the movies. <laughs> and then what else did he do? He went through the Pirates of the Caribbean ride at Disney World. <laughs> he had a, an exclusive interview with a guy that says, Dead men tell no tales. <laughs> Played a Pirates of the Caribbean video game. That video game slapped. I didn't know if there was one or not. So. Oh, there's three. Really? Mm-hmm. Hmm, interesting. Never played them, but I'm sure they're pretty good. According to you, they are so. Oh yeah, I was super into pirates as a kid. Like I had so many books about pirates, so I'm sure like my family, if they're listening to this, they're probably dying right now. They know, <laughs> they know exactly how excited I am just to hear about this. Like when I was a kid, it was all about pirates and samurai. That's like the only thing like I read, talked about, did. Sure. Like, yeah. So I tried to get as much information as I could in my notes, but I didn't want this episode to be too long. So I wanted to just kind of skim over a lot of the bigger points to hit some of those, excuse me, along the way. So for my first half, we're going to be going through the golden age of piracy in the Caribbean and around the Americas and Europe. And for that part, I used an article from the website realmofhistory.com. Uh, I watched a couple of interviews with an author whose name is Eric J. Dolan, who wrote a book called Black Flags, Blue Waters on piracy in colonial America. So he had a lot of good interviews and talks and stuff that he where he talked about the book and gave a lot of the facts that he thought was just the most interesting stuff. And then another website called southerncouncil.org. So pirates pretty much existed since 
people started sailing. Once people were on the water, there was people trying to take advantage of people on the water. And like everything, there was people with bad intentions. Um, so in the earlier days of like the majority of the bigger pirate era in the Americas, the pirates would travel all the way over to the Red Sea in the Middle East and they would plunder Islamic merchant ships and they would plunder them, bring the goods back to the colonies and spread it amongst the people in the colonies. So the people back here in America loved pirates at first because they were bringing them goods and wealth and everything. And they thought, oh, well, they're just attacking the the quote-unquote heathens over in the Middle East. So they were, for a time, in good graces with everyone on the mainland. So after th- that started fading out when different wars and stuff broke out in the colonies and people started to protect themselves against these pirates and it wasn't really profitable for them to travel that far and come all the way back plus with the wars going on people were getting consigned to service and everything and that's where people started becoming what is known as privateers so for piracy there's pirates privateers and buccaneers are the three largest terms regarding what the different variations of piracy were so privateers were basically hired hand pirates who helped out in war times by plundering enemy ships after being contracted out by a governor or someone in Europe or whoever to basically do the dirty work and get paid for it. And it was basically legal piracy, quote unquote, legal mm-hmm. piracy. So that's what privateers were. And then you have pirates and buccaneers. So I'll go through pirates last. So in America, there was a captain known as Captain Thomas, and he started up in New England and moved down the towards the southern tip of the U.S., towards Florida. And he was also known as the ringleader, was his captain name, like what they knew him as. And he called his crew the Young Bucks. And so he was known for when he would capture enemy ships or if he would catch one of his crew trying to hoard wealth or something from a plunder, he would cut off their ears Uh and he would keep them on board the ship as like a reminder for what could happen. So the young bucks, box ears, buccaneers, that's where the name came from. Wow. Look at that. I actually never knew that. That's uh, gross, but creative. So props to that guy, the ringleader. (laughs) That was all a lie. Was it really? Yeah. Captain Thomas from New England, the ringleader. It's Tom Brady. (laughs) (laughs) Woo! (laughs) Uh, Yeah. (laughs) I was like, well, I'm so (laughs) good. I didn't know if either of you would catch that. I was just waiting in case this was all a farce. Oh, yeah, that one was. You salty dog, you. Moved from New England to Florida. and Yep. I made all that up. The thing is, I feel like you wrote that out for like to, just to see if you would just go. Oh yeah, I wanted to oh, see yeah. if you guys would catch on. And he brought his second mate, Robert Gronkowski, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Big Rob. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, that was that was so 
Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that was super. I mean, props to you for the creativity, like the buck aneers. Like, that yeah, was... I, I just made some random garbage up. So I, I was like, either they're going to catch out of this right away or maybe they won't. So, okay. The, you know what's respectable? The amount of trust Evan had for every word you said. I know. Hey, <laughs> I would have said, th- said something first. You probably would have been like, ooh. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, all that wasn't But I mean, true. that's what I mean. Full trust. Full trust. <laughs> Nothing but facts coming from Jacob. <laughs> well, usually he's like my spiritual guide for aliens. So, yeah. usually during the topics, I'm like, yeah. like wide-eyed. <laughs> locked just... in. Yeah, I know. <laughs> that's how I am whenever I listen to you guys do a topic. I'm like locked in. I'm like, yeah. all right, what's he going to say next? Mm-hmm. And in my head, I'm thinking of like something goofy to say at the same time. <laughs> but then I got goofed. <laughs> so, that's not where the term Buccaneers comes. It's a lot more boring than that so basically there is a group of privateers and sailors that were in the islands of hispaniola and uh this is where the infamous tortuga comes into it tortuga and port royal so they had a a method of curing meat uh that was on a thing called a boucan and it's a french word and so basically these people were called boucaneers which in English became Buccaneers, and that's where the term came from for the Buccaneers. So they're basically just regular pirates, but they got called this because of the way that they cured the meat that they ate on ships and stuff like that. I like your version better in my <laughs> It's more yeah. fun than the way I said Let's it. Let's of that history real quick. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Go on Wikipedia, everyone, and anytime anyone edits it back to what it actually is, just change it to what I said. <laughs> mm-hmm. So that was... Where buccaneers came from, and then regular pirates were the ones who basically just lived by their own rules and did whatever they want. They weren't signed by any governors. They didn't cure meats in a specific way. (laughs) They basically just lived on the sea, plundered where they wanted to, made their own rules. So this is where things start to go south as far as the public eye goes. This is where pirates become more of a nuisance than someone who's helping out the people on land. So privateers out of work basically had their sailing ability. And once the War of the Spanish Succession was over, they were out of work. So they didn't know how to do much else other than sail the seas. So they were like, well, I got to use this somehow. So I might as well become a pirate. And they had to make ends meet somehow. And that was their way of doing it. So some of them just became petty thieves on land and tried to eke out an existence that way. But now with most of them, since they had this very specific talent, just decided I might as well go plunder other ships on the seas since there's a lot of trade going on back and forth between Europe and America right now. Mm -hmm. So that was how this golden age basically began was all of these out-of-work privateers became... from legal pirates to illegal pirates, basically. So one conception of pirates is that they lived like these extravagant lives or like sailed the seas and had all these riches and women and everywhere they went, they had parties and whatever. And monkeys named Jack. (laughs) Wow. Not you. We named them Monkey monkey Jack. Jack. They were just playing dice games, too. Yeah. Four, four. (laughs) But in reality, most pirates weren't all that successful and lived pretty poor lives. Like, they're living on these cramped ships in damp quarters. The the food they ate was often stale. 
Sometimes they weren't even successful in plundering, depending on who your captain was. Except uh, for the guy who sold his idea from playing that dice game, called it Yahtzee. <laughs> <laughs> that was the that was Captain they, L Yahtzee. <laughs> that was they decided on Captain. So they they didn't really have like all these extravagant luxuries that a lot of the movies portray. I mean, the movies don't portray them as huge celebrities or like super successful, but they do kind of hint at the fact that they might have had a more luxurious life than they probably did. So Mm -hmm. that's one small misconception that people get about pirates from these Hollywood movies. So where do you get into the explanation where you tell us how some of them turned into half fish? (laughs) When does the Flying Dutchman come? You guys, well, that's Spongebob, first of all. Uh, I'm all over the place. <laughs> he wears a sock on the end of his ghost foot. <laughs> you have to go through the perfume department. Uh, Wait, isn't the, no, the Flying Dutchman's in the second one? It is, yeah. yeah he, okay. he just brought Spongebob into it. But I'll always we're, bring we're Spongebob into it. We're pulling from many different sources now. You're good. You're good. <laughs> You're good. You're good. So... With that being said, a lot of pirates were actually pretty well equipped medically. They did take a lot of precautions against things like syphilis and stuff like that and made a bunch of different balms and medicines as they could because they knew that living on the sea, they didn't have a lot of access to all that. So they got a lot of that stuff for themselves, kept it on board and used it where they could. Like They had syringes for syphilis that they filled with mercury, which was a treatment at the time to help with syphilis and made uh, tourniquets on ships and stuff. If the person had a wound uh, to help stop bleeding and all that. So they were actually pretty medically conscious compared to a lot of the people at the time. And that was kind of evidence because uh, Queen Anne's revenge, Blackbeard's like headship or flagship, uh, crashed uh, off the coast and they eventually found it, I, I believe in the 90s, and they found a bunch of this medical equipment that was inside the ship. And so they kind of deduced like, hey, these guys kind of knew what they were doing for the time at least. Mm-hmm. So with these pirates having less than ideal lives most of the time, why did people choose this? Well, it's either they begged on the mainland basically or did this. So which one are you going to choose a, a, a long life on land trying to make ends meet or a probably shorter life on the sea, but maybe some excitement along the way. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of why a lot of people decided might as well go for broke and just try this out. So right, yeah, just like the small chance of making it rich. Like, right. Say exactly. They, like your ship somehow takes down like a huge Spanish like treasure ship. Yeah. Which we're, floating around all over the place make it big and kind of like that one final score mentality yeah and there's even there's one story i don't remember the name of the guy but uh eric j dolan talked about it in one of his talks and said that there was one pretty well-off son of a nobleman i think it was who decided i'm gonna become a pirate because it sounds like fun Mm -hmm. and he wasn't very successful but it just shows that there is a lure to doing that sort of thing when you hear all these 
famous stories that people are telling, especially at the time when you read something in a book, it's basically fact for you. So yeah, I'm sure like that got romanticized like crazy, like the super hard life, super. I mean, you mentioned like they ate stale food all the time. Like they just had to make tourniquets out of whatever they had. Like it was a hard life, but it got romanticized through writing, right? which is probably where that lore came from because they had no idea like it was anything to the contrary. Exactly. Yeah, and not being able to die and turn to skeletons when the moon comes out, that's got to really get away. <laughs> <laughs> I knew this was going to happen, and I was so excited for it. When do they find the island that you can't find unless you already know where it is? I don't know. How will we know? What a cool... G- hmm. That is so... What a great description of a place. Can we talk yeah. about the writing of that real quick? Like, yeah. you can't find it unless you, you already, already know, know where, where it is. is. <laughs> like, what? What? <laughs> what is that even... Yeah, dude, that's crazy. Like, how can you even draw a map to it? That doesn't make Whoever any sense. wrote that line when they were, like, writing up the movie was like, I'm freaking awesome. Yeah. You, you come up with better than that. <laughs> he, like, dropped his quill, because I'm just assuming <laughs> that movie quill. was <laughs> They're dressed as pirates while they do it to get in the mood. Yeah. They somehow all have scurvy, too. Like, what? Oh, no. Oh, man. So, like the people on land, there was a decent amount of people who sailed on these merchant ships that are basically manual laborers who decided to, if perhaps they got taken over by pirates or got plundered by pirates, they'd be like, can I join your crew? Because this sounds a lot more fun than what I'm doing right now. So there was some sort of excitement and allure to this, and people wanted to do it. So they may not have known the stark reality of what they were getting into, but I guess living in a merchant ship and going back and forth between, let's say, Europe and America probably wasn't that much more luxurious. So being able to pretty much do what you wanted and live a lifestyle that was more fun for you had a lot more of uh, an allure to them than doing what they were doing. Just call them Moana. <laughs> well, I gotta be on the sea, right? No, nobody, nobody <laughs> knows what I'm talking about. All right, Steinberg, you're stretching the Disney. <laughs> so I know I'm saying that there is all this allure and excitement and everything. And for these people, there was. But in reality, people who were pirates at the time you see all of in hollywood movies you see all these gun battles and ship battles and all of and it it looks like they happened all the time according to these these movies but in reality a lot of the times these pirates would try and avoid conflict as much as they could because when you think about it if you're blowing up ships and shooting at ships all day there's a lot of cargo on there that you're probably going to hit and end up destroying that you want to take for yourself Plus, if you want to take people from that ship and become part of your crew, that's a lot of people that you're not going to be able to use. Right, yeah. They would strictly only target merchant ships who would maybe have like two, three guns on it right. and, at most. And, and uh, even if they would target bigger ships, like a lot of the times they didn't try and attack the bigger ships if they didn't have to. So, I mean, there was times where they would. But just raising those black flags on their masts would show these people like, hey, we are pirates Mm -hmm. and we we will do what we have to if we want to get what you have on board. So if they started running, they would chase them down and most of the time they would attempt to board the ships instead of using cannon fire or gunfire, like I said, to avoid destroying goods on board. Mm -hmm. And most of the time, if these pirate crews were attacking a single ship, they had numbers on them because you think you have two, maybe three ships in your fleet. You have 70 guys on each. You've got 
over 200 men versus one merchant ship that maybe has like 60, 70 guys on it, you're going to have the numbers, so you might as well use them. Mm -hmm. But... Yeah, that that's a, a big misconception I think that a lot of people have is that they were so ready to fight and so eager to fight, but really in reality they tried to avoid it as much as they could. So Yeah, and plus like if their ship took any damage or they had a lot of casualties, they couldn't really dock anywhere except right. for specific places because they were still outlaws. And to that point, if you wanted to upgrade your ship, if you had a smaller ship and you took a merchant ship, if you're shooting at it, you're going to be destroying what you're trying to take mm-hmm. in the ship itself. So what? <laughs> uh, on a more serious note, are you going to get into um, weaponry that they use and stuff like that? Or not? not as much. Okay, okay. So if you're using swords, you wouldn't have that issue, you know. They did a lot of the time. They the cutlass was their main weapon when they would board, but they did have muskets and some t- and the blunderbuss. Yeah, those were two weapons that they did use as well. But a lot of the times they would try and use those once they boarded. They wouldn't try and shoot across because uh, one, they're not that accurate. Well, and, I wouldn't think so. Yeah, and two, it it basically helped them. intimidate people if you pull it out a lot of people with a sword are probably going to say okay i'm done here Mm -hmm. instead of trying to fight you so i mean they just had methods of intimidation and looking like the more threatening aspect of it versus saying hey it goes into like nowadays if you were working at a bank and someone came in to rob you and held a gun in your face a lot of the times people tell you just give them what they want Mm-hmm. That that's the same thing that applies here. And do they really pull a Phil Collins and swing across the ships like like Tarzan or no? Sometimes yes. Oh. Sometimes they would, but most of the times they would just use uh, grappling hooks and maybe a smaller ship to climb up. So that that aspect of it is true. I mean, there's really not a lot of other ways to get across if you were maintaining some sort of distance between each other. So. Pull a Phil Collins. I just really wanted to fit his name in there. I thought like two minutes before I said the line, I'm like, how can I get Phil Collins <laughs> and my point across at the same time? All roads that's... lead back to Phil Collins. <laughs> the worst ever drummer for the Beatles. True. Wow, that's true. It's true. Sadly. <laughs> that story? Yeah. So as far as the physical aspect of a pirate, the the like clothes that they wore how they looked stuff like that a lot of that is actually pretty accurate as far as the hollywood movies portray a lot of them would wear as at least when they went on land they would wear those fancier clothes the more extravagant dress some of them would wear like scarves and all that to make themselves look more fanciful when they came on to the mainland or on an island or wherever but when the crew was on just sailing on the seas they would wear a lot of tight clothing because when you think about it, if you have loose clothing and you're trying to climb the rigging on a ship and your clothes get stuck on something, it's either going to tear or you're going to wreck the rigging or something else. So having tight clothing and a lot of the times they wouldn't wear shoes either. So a lot of them were either barefoot or wearing some sort of socks maybe or something like that to protect their feet. But they didn't mm-hmm. really wear shoes a lot of the time because those things got in the way of you trying to do your daily duties if you had to prepare the ship to sail somewhere so a lot of the loose baggy clothing got in the way so when you think about it from a practical aspect that's 
makes a lot of sense. Yep. So the the hats though, that was accurate because you think you're on the sea most of your life at this point. So Got to protect yourself from the sun somehow. Oh so yeah. Scarves, hats, all of that was pretty much necessary from a practical aspect. Plus, they look cool. So the bigger the hat, like the higher rank you are on the <laughs> yeah, ship, right? I assume. You gotta stop doing that. Yeah, part. I keep on thinking like you're about to go in and. Yeah, I was thinking like when he extends like that telescope. Yeah. <laughs> Bigger the better. Yeah. I'll get you a hat, a really big one, <laughs> Commodore. Yeah, I don't know if they had a sentimental value as Jack Sparrow oh, had I think with his so. hat, but you never know. I would assume so. Yes, based on uh, my knowledge from those movies. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Those were the sources for the whole <laughs> yes for this whole shebang. So another misconception is when you see in the movies these big storehouses full of gold coins and all of that. That's not really what these guys were going for. They're they're capturing merchant ships that were sailing from Europe to America or, or uh, America to Europe. So I mean sometimes there was gold coins, but it was a rare occasion. So most of the time what they were going for was just the goods on board that they could sell to the people on the mainland. So stockpiling like salt and pepper. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Salt was a huge commodity. Salt and sugar. Those two were huge because you think about it, they didn't have refrigeration, so they needed salt to keep their meats and stuff good for a while. And so a lot of that was pretty much like gold at the time. So you weren't getting actual gold coins most of the time, but you did get a lot of valuable stuff from these ships. So, mm-hmm. But now I'm going to go into a few of like the more notorious ones. So, Mark, you mentioned Blackbeard earlier. And Blackbeard was one of the most famous, obviously. Everyone pretty much knows the Blackbeard name. So one of the reasons why his name got so big and he got such a, a reputation behind him was there was a guy at the time who wrote a book basically saying... Blackbeard's the most fearsome pirate on the sea and everyone needs to watch out for him. But a lot of the time, it was mostly just people looking intimidating for a basically for a brand. They wanted their name to be attached to that fearsome nature mm-hmm. because, like I mentioned earlier, they didn't want to fight if they didn't have to. So the more fearsome you actually sound to people that you're going after, they're not going to want to fight you if they hear all these rumors saying, oh, he... He's not. He's a ruthless guy. He's not showing any mercy. Mm-hmm. You don't want to fight him. But Blackbeard, from a couple of things that I read, and there's been some newer research that hasn't been proven as fact yet, but it says that it's likely that he was originally from Jamaica. That's where his family grew up, and that's where he was growing up. And he actually joined the Navy, so he was on the military side of things. And then after the military days, he just became a pirate and did his own thing. But his pirate career was relatively short. And there was people saying that he probably didn't even kill anybody until his last battle where he died. So a lot of the things that you hear about him being this bloodthirstier killer or whatever, probably not as accurate as you'd like them to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like to your point with the intimidation factor, and sorry if you're going to, just about to say this, but rumor is that Blackbeard, like he had that huge beard, like we know that, he would actually like twirl it up and put gunpowder at the end of it 
and light it so it looked like he was an actual essentially like a burning demon yep. straight from hell now it just can't like that came into the intimidation factor where if i'm just some you know a merchant seeing or just trying to deliver some canned or salted meat and i see that i'm just like kind of just giving them myself right exactly especially when you hear tales from people that you're going to port and seeing yeah if you hear them talking about it you're gonna be like okay well maybe there's some merits of this guy actually being a demon so mm-hmm. a lot of it comes down to just that branding that they want it to sound and look intimidating but in reality they might not have been now on that point one pirate who was as intimidating and ruthless as he probably looked to others was a, a man named Edward or Ned Lowe. Yep. This guy was straight up heartless. He pretty much started being a pirate because he was on some sort of crew for work detail, basically. They were trying to get goods, and it was a some sort of dye that dyed things purple, I believe, and that's how he started on sailing. And he wanted to take a break from work. His captain said no, and so he tried to shoot him. And he missed and shot another guy through the throat and killed him. And then him and, like, 10 or 12 other guys basically ran away and became pirates. So that's how he became a pirate. But he wouldn't stop killing people and treating people like dirt. So he was notorious for cutting off people's noses, cutting off people's ears. There was a story about him where he apparently captured a ship and he took the other captain and asked, like, hey, hey, crew, do you like this guy? Is he a good captain? And everyone said yes. And so basically he was like, well, since the people like you, I'm not going to torture you. I'm just going to kill you quickly. So he didn't really serve him any mercy from the fact that he killed him, but I guess he better than torturing him yeah and some people didn't get off as easy there's a story of him cutting off one captain's lips and then cooking them and making the captain eat his own lips so there's a lot of stuff like that attached to ned low and how brutal he was as a captain Mm -hmm. so there was people out there that did make piracy as bad as it seemed so um that's most of what I got for the Golden Age in America and the Caribbean. So now I'd like to talk about the most successful pirate of all time. Not a man, but a woman mm-hmm. from China. So Evan, you sound for, like you might know who this first is. First and foremost, Yas Queen. Yes. But I'll yeah, I'll defer to you though. I'll let you cool. So for this part of the story. A lot of the sources that I used were historyofyesterday.com, atlasobscure.com, and rejectedprincesses.com. Those were three of the bigger ones that I used. What a web name on the last one for this lady. Right. Absolutely. She's got a wild story. And this is what I'm going to tell you is basically a tale of if you're in Knightley's career. No, (laughs) not quite. (laughs) Elizabeth Swan, the (laughs) pirate. But basically, this is a story about if you're determined enough to do something and to pull yourself up by the bootstraps, to use a, a euphemism for it. Bootstraps. bootstraps, bootstraps. <laughs> <laughs> so this is a story about how if you're determined enough, you can do whatever you want and you can be successful. So this is the story of Ching Shi, if I'm pronouncing that correctly. 
Uh, so I'm going to start by going through the, the South China Sea history of sailing over there because it's a little bit different than how things came to be over in the Caribbean area. So the reason that piracy became a bigger thing in the Chinese ports and on the coastline was basically due to governmental restrictions. A lot of the early emperors in China during the Ming and the, the Qin dynasty, they restricted trade to sometimes just a single port and had restricted time limits for when you could trade with foreigners and who could trade with foreigners and everything. So a lot of these fishermen and people that were making a living off of the sea, selling their goods to other people, they were basically having their lifestyle taken away. So they had to try and resort similarly to the Caribbean pirates to thievery. And sometimes even that they couldn't do because Evan, do you have something? No. Okay. You look like you had something to say. Um, but they resorted to thievery and sometimes they couldn't even do that because these restrictions would go as far as to push everyone inland from the coast and not let anyone even live out there. And they would raise villages, burn their houses, and then anyone getting caught like going back out to the coast would be executed. So they basically didn't want anyone out there because they didn't want anyone going underneath their governmental oversight and saying, I'm going to trade if I want to or not. So they basically caused their own problem in the end. Mm -hmm. And there is one story about when they pushed everyone inland, basically just to find one guy who was resorting to thievery or piracy and they wanted to try and drive him out and capture him. And so they pushed everyone inland like 20 or 25 miles, burned all the villages just to flush him out. And eventually they did, but you cost yourself a lot of resources, first of all, and a lot of resentment from the people that you're trying to rule. Yeah. So they're really not doing themselves much favors in that aspect. So like I said, the government pushed people inland. They would ban private owned ships and capture anyone that had them and imprison them. They wouldn't let people build multi-mast ships like bigger sailing vessels. But once Western countries started sailing more towards China and trying to trade over there, they started opening back up. But like I said, they were restricted to a single port. And so a lot of people just couldn't trade because either they didn't live nearby or they didn't get there at a certain time or whatever. Mm -hmm. And, it really restricted lifestyles of people that had lived off the sea for a long time. And Which you have to think that just had to hurt like the overall economy yeah. of the nation, right? Like by a ton, because you just don't have people willing to do the trading. Well, yeah. And you think about they're trying to protect their culture basically because they don't want all these foreign influences, which mm -hmm. I understand you want to keep your culture pure, but also your culture is born from a lot of foreign influence. Yeah. So them restricting these people had merit to it in their heads, and I get why, but it's also hurting your people a lot, mm -hmm. and you're hurting your country. So, like I said, it, it began to open up a little bit in the early 1700s, but that single port that I mentioned was, I'm probably going to butcher this name, Guangzhou, or Guangzhou, I believe is how you pronounce it, was the single port. And this is where we meet our pirate queen. This, yes. <laughs> this is where she was from. She was Qingxi, or originally named Shi Yang, before she became a pirate queen, was born in this city and lived in this city. And there's not a lot about her early life. 
All we know is that around age, I'll, I'll let you guys guess. What age do you think she had to resort to prostitution to help her family? No, oh, it's going to be really sad, like isn't it? 13 or 12. I'm going to go with like 15. It was thir- around 13. She had to resort to becoming a prostitute to help support her family. And that was a pretty regular thing in this time period, just because, like I said, people had to try and eke out a living where they could. So she was a prostitute on these floating brothels that would float up and down the coastline. And according to the Chinese, they said, a floating vessel and the rocking of the waves added to the sexual experience. And that's why they made these floating brothel barges, basically. (laughs) But from what everyone said, they said that, Shi Yang was beautiful, very charismatic. She treated her customers very well. And so she got a very good reputation in the area. And she got a lot of large businessmen, a lot of noblemen. And this is where she got pirate customers. So with these pirates that would visit her, it wasn't, I don't believe it was regular that she would get a lot of pirates. Maybe she would. It didn't really say, but one that was notable was her soon-to-be husband. His name was Zhang, Shi- Zhang Yi, or Cheng the First, and he was the commander of the renowned Red Flag Fleet in the South China Sea. And I want to give a little background on this part of it before I go any further with her. So basically, the way that Chinese pirates really became a militarized force was there was a rebellion in Viet- Vietnam, to overthrow their tyrannical government there. And basically, they conscribed a bunch of Chinese sailing vessels and gave them a ton of money to build like really nice ships and get a lot of weapons and say, hey, you're basically going to be our navy for this overthrow of this government. So we're going to give you money to do it so you guys can do whatever you want after that. But for right now, you got to help us. And that's where they really got a lot of their militaristic structuring And after the Vietnam overthrow and these pirates started doing their own thing, they did set up a council of seven pirate kings. And this is where the different colored flag fleets came in. And that's where the red flag fleet came from. And Chang the first was one of these pirate kings. So that's another aspect from Pirates of the Caribbean where they had the council, I believe it was nine pirates that they had. Because they had the nine pieces of eight. The nine pieces of eight, yep. Yep. So that's an aspect that was actually true to form in some aspects. So he was one of those seven pirate kings. And in the movies on that council, Chang Shi actually is one of those nine. Mm -hmm. So she is, if you know what you're looking for, you know that she's a pretty famous character in her own right. So that's how these fleets came to be. And the Red Flag fleet was one of the most notorious and would become the most notorious after this wedding between Ching Shi and uh, Cheng the First. So there's contention on how this marriage happened. Some people say he basically told his men to go get her and drag her out of there and bring her to the ships. And there's other sources that say she said she would agree to it, but there was a term that she would get. Let me see if I wrote it down. I quote, she was granted 50% share over his monetary gains and a partial control over his pirate fleet, end quote. So you can tell if that Damn. is the true story, she's thinking ahead. Yeah. She's setting herself up. 
And for someone who lived their life as a teenage prostitute on the seaboard, you got to give her props for really putting herself in a position where she can make herself into something. Mm -hmm. So since he was so in love with her, he basically said, yeah, that's fine. Like, I need to have you some way or another. So whatever I have to do, I will do. And this is where the Red Flag Fleet really becomes the notorious Red Flag Fleet. It said that when she joined, it was about 200 ships, which is still insane. Because Blackbeard, for comparison, at his height, had about four ships and maybe four or 500 men at the most. So she, under Cheng's leadership, had 200 ships when she joined. So think about how much more massive that is of a force. Yeah. And then from 200, grew to almost 2,000. It said around 1,800 ships eventually. 1,800 wow, ships? Yeah. Now, like it's size comparison, these are still like decent sized ships, right? Yeah. So they were called, it's, the name for these sailing ships was junk. That's what they called them. Yep. They were mm -hmm. junks, Chinese junk ships. But some of them were smaller, but a majority of them were a larger vessel. So almost 2,000 ships under a single control, that's a that shows a lot of authority, how yeah. much these people respected Chang the First. So that's why there's still a statue of him today in China, because this is how influential he was in this scenario. But so, yeah, it grew to this huge, it exploded. And one of the first things that she did when she joined was she instituted a code of rules. And I have a few of them here. And this really shows, I think, her character in... The pirate code? <laughs> Parlay. <laughs> String up the man that came up with Paul. <laughs> but I think these rules really give you an insight into her character and what she really was all about with this authority position. So I'm going to read them off, and I want you guys to tell me what you think about it after the fact, because I think it's pretty surprising what she came up with as a code of rules for this fleet. So first, pirates who gave unauthorized orders or who refused to follow orders were executed on the spot without a chance to justify themselves. All seized goods had to be presented for inspection. If any pirate was found hiding or under-reporting goods, a part of their body was chopped off in accordance with the amount that they were hiding or under-reporting. Loyalty and honesty were rewarded financially and in positions if you did a good job, and it was incentive for others to do the same. Um, uh, female captives were to be treated well, and they were segregated based on looks. So the weak, pregnant, and unattractive were to be released as soon as possible. They didn't want to keep them on board. Attractive women, on the other hand, were to be held for ransom money because they could get more ransom for them. And the pirates and the crew were allowed to marry these attractive women if it was consensual. So they couldn't just pick and choose. They had to actually get them to agree to it. And to that point, infidelity and rape were enforced seriously, and anyone breaking the rules were hung. And if a man and a woman were found to be having sex before marriage, both of them were killed, or in rare cases, the man would be castrated and the woman would be exiled. So those are wow. the rules that I had written down. But what do you guys think about that? Kind of all over the place. Yeah. I mean, uh, like, the, like obviously, the no raping. 
pretty great. Yeah, great that, rule. That's a good call. But then the uh, underreporting, or no, the not following orders immediately was immediate cause of death. Like despite what the order was, I mean, you think about how many like people did she probably have? If we're talking eighteen hundred ships, like we're talking. Yeah, because like tens of thousands. Because the crew, I believe, was seventy to eighty thousand members strong at its peak. Wow, I get where she was going from. With that many people, the uh, rules needed to be harsh in order for people to have an incentive to follow through on them. Mm-hmm. Especially if the rewards were pretty decent, uh, I think a lot of people probably would have followed the rules, and that's the only way to do it when you got that many people to worry about. And the communication is going to be tough because it's not like they had modern day ability to talk to one another. So you needed these rules to be pretty uniformly followed so you didn't have to worry about all this crap going on from ship to ship probably. Mm-hmm. So I think it's pretty smart overall. You can definitely see where her uh, mindset was for some of her incentives from where she came from, I would say, that she wanted women to be treated fairly as they should be. But that being said, yeah, she sounds pretty cutthroat as a whole. Oh, yeah, definitely. She's a badass. But like when I read all the rules about how strict she was – in instituting the rules for women to be treated fairly, especially at this time period. Yeah. I thought that was really cool because you wouldn't really think about someone doing that, but when you have a woman in this position of power, she definitely took advantage of her opportunities and made them worth something. Mm -hmm. And like you said, giving people incentive, it kept people in order most of the time. So who knows? Maybe she didn't really have to execute that many people if people were really saying, well, if I do good, I'm going to get more. But the reward is just as important. If if they really did show that people who followed the rules or were really good on their particular ships either received more and or were promoted, uh, I would say that that also is just as important because now they have mm-hmm. even more reason to follow the rules. If, if There's like this saying that negative uh, motivation isn't good motivation – I mean, it is to an extent, but eventually it's fleeting, and they would have probably lost people in ships because they would have been like, all right, let's take the ship in balance because like, there's only negative incentives to be here. Right. So it's definitely uh, you got to have both sides yeah, of it. Yeah, fear and intimidation can only take you so far. Right, And I right. think that's kind of proven by these Caribbean pirates that they only had like less than double-digit numbers of ships and like less than 1,000 men most of the time. I think it just proves that they weren't really into it as much so for the structure of it, more so just for the lifestyle. Whereas these Chinese pirates, they were basically a military force that became an independent force. So they had to think of it from the structure standpoint a lot of the time. I think that really is a different influence in the way that these organizations ran versus piracy over in the West. Is this the same time period as the golden age of piracy? This is a little later. Then the Golden Age, this was later in the 1700s and into the 1800s, but it's a similar time period. Mm -hmm. So, Um, so yeah, like I said, with these rules and the incentives and these guidelines, the the fleet grew exponentially when she joined, and it grew and grew, and then sadly, in 1807, six years after they got married, Cheng passed away. And there's a lot of contention on how he died. Some say it was just a disease that he ca- like caught, and some people say he got caught in a storm that ended up ending his life. But either way, they he passed away in 1807, and the the son that him and Ching Shi adopted, who was in his mid 20s, became the new like commander of the Red Flag Fleet. And I say commander with air quotes, listeners can't see that, but I say that with air quotes because 
he was just a simple fisherman that they had adopted because they couldn't conceive together and they needed someone to take over when Cheng passed. And so they, there's theories that they might have taken this fisherman because since he was a simple fisherman, he wasn't intelligent and he would be easy to manipulate. So from that aspect, it was basically Ching Shi would be running the fleet, but he was a figurehead. Yeah, like that shadow leader. Exactly. Uh, other sources say that Cheng the first and this adopted son Chung Po had a sexual relationship, an intimate relationship, which I saw in some sources and some sources didn't say it. But whether that's true or not, the Ching Shi and their adoptive son, pretty shortly after Cheng's death, got married. Oh, really? So <laughs> they began a relationship together. So either there was a love triangle between all three of them before Cheng passed away, or it was just the two of them after he passed. He killed him. Could be. I thought I thought I had a comment there, but then I was like, yeah, I got nothing. Conspiracy. <laughs> so after this all happened, there was an insurrection that started because of this collapse of power very suddenly. They didn't have a commander anymore, and this man was the commander in name, but he didn't have any authority proven yet. Mm -hmm. So there was a lot of people that tried to surmount the authority and become the commander of this red flag fleet. But Ching using some cunning and getting family members, cousins and relatives of Cheng the first on her side and showing her power pretty much overthrew all these guys just in time and became the pretty much the commander of this fleet with Cheng Po as the, uh, the figurehead. So, Using his under under her control and his control, they basically controlled this area of this the South China Sea. They taxed incoming merchant ships. They fought off the British Navy. They fought off the French Navy. They fought off the Portuguese Navy twice. They fought off their own Navy. the The Mandarin Navy came out and they tried to take them down because they were messing up everything. They they had this giant force that they basically created on their own through all these restrictions, and now they had to try and take care of it. And so they sent the Mandarin Navy out. They got destroyed. And Ching was like, instead of going back and having to come back and do this again, why don't you guys just join us? Mm -hmm. And they absorbed the entire Mandarin Navy, basically. So they just kept growing. That is incredible. So she was really just kicking ass and taking names over here. So... It was crazy how powerful this group was in this time period. When you think about the comparison from Western pirates to this, it's just insane how much different it is. The authority that these people had, they basically controlled trade in this, this seaport. Right. Like they were, like you said, they were taxing merchant ships. They didn't have to go and plunder well, or do anything yeah, like that. Yeah. And the people like, that wouldn't submit to the taxing, they did plunder. Yeah. And when you've got two, almost 2,000 ships, Good luck. Yeah. So. And like the structure, like the difference of like the structure between 2000 ships compared to, you know, pirates, you know, more in the Atlantic Ocean. I mean, it's just such a difference. It's, it really is. It's insane mm -hmm. when you see just the numbers alone. But so 
like I said, they fought off all of these European navies and eventually the Chinese government contracted the Portuguese Navy again to try and take down this threat in their own waters. And the Portuguese came back a third time with brand new ships, better weaponry than the Red Flag Fleet had, and eventually did push them back. Now, this was good timing for Qing Shi because the emperor at the time had been like, we need to stop this, so I'm going to do whatever I have to, and granted an amnesty bargain for any pirate that wanted it. Basically, get out of jail free card. If you choose to stop becoming a pirate, you can, and we won't pursue you, and you can live a normal life. So this was a huge bargain that they were throwing out, basically as a last-ditch effort, plus the Portuguese Navy coming in. And when they started getting battered back, and the Red Flag Fleet finally started to falter for basically the first time, Chang was like, okay, I'll take that amnesty bargain. Mm -hmm. And they told her, awesome. You can keep everything that you have. All of your crew can keep the riches. Just please stop controlling the sea. (laughs) So she got off scot-free, all of her money, all of her notoriety, and she's like, I'm done. So And retired a living legend. Living, yeah. Because you think about... One thing I didn't mention for the Atlantic pirates, the hangings were very common. Those are one thing, the the yo-ho, yo-ho, like where you see the child at the the noose. A lot of that is pretty accurate because a lot of these people were in their early 20s, got captured, hung for piracy. So that stuff was very common. But she controlled pretty much an entire Navy on her own. And got away free with all of her money. And with that money, she moved to Macau with her kids. She had two kids with Chung Po. And she moved to Macau with them, opened up a gambling house with all of her money that she had. And eventually she opened up a brothel and kind of brought her whole life full circle. She started as a prostitute and ended owning a brothel. So it's pretty crazy that everything really came back around in her life. Yeah. And everything in between is just insanity. So she died at age 69. Nice. 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 <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but she died she died a free woman and a business owner and this just proves like I said, if you really are determined and have a mindset that you want to succeed from any any sort of lifestyle before that you you can do it if you're determined enough. So yeah, her determination, just straight willpower to make that happen, was to command literally the biggest fleet, to command eighty thousand like sailors under one like strict code, and to have years of incredible like riches. It's super impressive and crazy. Well, not only just like the fact that she took over this large fleet from Chang, but the fact that she kept it growing. Yeah. It and absorbed merchant ships, she absorbed a navy. Like it's insane. I I don't I don't think there's anyone even close to the amount of success that she had. And you know mm-hmm. you you know the names of Blackbeard and you know the name Captain Kidd and they were they were good pirates in their own right, but just in a way different way. And since we're in a western country in America, I just don't think we really hear about this. So I I think a lot of people don't know who this person is. So I think the fact that she was so successful and I had never heard of her before this 
it's kind of blown by blew my mind and that's why i wanted to cover it so yeah it's pretty cool stuff mm-hmm. like literally the most successful pirate of all time and most people are still like "Ooh, blackbeard right exactly you, you, with his you, four ships you, get good <laughs> you ask like anyone who's the most successful pirate they'd probably say whatever name they knew mm-hmm. so no one's gonna say ching shi i don't think that case though has more to do with where you're from than anything exactly I think yeah. it's just a mm-hmm. local thing i don't think it's like a screw the fact that she was no no i think we just haven't been told yeah I, oh yeah maybe i've been told that story but i don't rec- i don't really know much about that Mm-mm. and did you say they mimicked that character character in pirates of the caribbean 3 like she's the female at yeah. that that's so cool yep. dude. yeah exactly <laughs> Shout out, there were a lot of things that Jacob would say that I'm like, I think they stole that. Even and this isn't like super complicated, but remember when like Jack's trying, they're trying to buy him out and saying like you can have your freedom or whatever, and whether or not he's going to take it and stuff like that. I don't know. It's just a lot of parallels to what you're talking about that maybe yep. they actually took from historical accuracy. Right, and and like I said, some of it they did get accurate, but a lot of it it was accurate to a point, and then they embellished upon it from there, which is the probably wasn't any cursed gold or anything. Yeah, right. <laughs> There was no, like, blood rituals with the gold coin or anything like that. Oh, man. I've been lied to all the time. <laughs> Not a single bootstraps, bootstraps. Ah. <laughs> but no, whenever I would have thought or been asked who is the most successful pirate, one, I wouldn't have known that it was a Chinese pirate, and two, I would never have guessed that it was a woman. Very true, because, I mean, again, to that romanticism, like, the male pirates, like the Blackbeards, they were the ones that were romanticized in, in their different writings, as well as even even still in movies today. Um, yeah, I would have had no idea unless, like, I did research beforehand. Right. Yeah. So yeah, I just wanted, especially on the somewhat on the heels of International Women's Day that we just had recently, I was like, mm-hmm. wow, what a better time for me to have found this story. Yep. It's a badass woman of history. Mm-hmm. But yeah, have you on a plug our good old social medias for us real quick oh which ones are you referring to (laughs) (laughs) you can follow us at gems of history on twitter and instagram as well as find us on any of your uh, podcast listening services spotify apple google Uh, please like and subscribe and give a five-star rating that's very specific only a five-star rating or we'll come to your house (laughs) yeah or else we'll find you (laughs) We'll sail the seven seas until we do. Yes. But yes, we are coming back around to you next week, Evan. So mm-hmm. hopefully you have something to astound us and blow our minds. And I got a little little something cooking. Won't give too much of a sprinkle of a teaser today, but we well, got, got something, something cooking. Are you a buccaneer? <laughs> <laughs> cooking your meats. Cooking All right, meats. let's get out of here. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, thank you guys for listening. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode and learned something fun. I thought I thought I'd kind of give you guys the 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 history and keep it fun because pirates are fun. And they are fun. Pirates are very you, fun. I don't want to destroy your ideal pirate's image from the Pirates of the Caribbean movies or whatever you you think is the coolest. But. Nothing you said makes those any less less realistic. Right. So. It, mm-hmm. p- pirates in general are just cool. Like. Yeah. Who wouldn't want to sail and try and plunder for treasure? Exactly. Bootstrap Bill is still a liar, and he'll spend an eternity <laughs> on that ship. 100 <laughs> souls. <laughs> Every time Jake would give me a list of how many people, I was, that's what I was thinking. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
hundred percent. God, we act, we we're watching those <laughs> movies right now. <laughs> All right, guys, send us the emails at gemsofhistorypodcast at gmail dot com if you got any stories you want to send us or anything like that. But until next time, we're signing off for now. Yep. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, guys. Talk to you later.